0: I was in a coffee shop the morning of January 3rd. An email had come early that morning from the diocese saying that Bishop Lennon would be retiring and that there would be a live conference uh, on online at, at 10. And I was supposed to be meeting someone for an appointment at the coffee house, and it was too late to call them and say not to come. So when I got there, I had my computer with me, and I said, unfortunately— Uh, We're going to have to watch this first before we have our meeting. My immediate boss is retiring. So we watched together, and during the conference, we were introduced to Bishop Daniel Thomas, the ordinary of the Bishop of the Diocese of Toledo, who would become our apostolic administrator. It's readily apparent that Bishop Thomas is public relations savvy. I was impressed with the way he comported himself. And even on such short notice, you could tell that he gave a lot of thought and looked into the Diocese of Cleveland and tried to get us know, to know us a little bit better. It was almost flawless, except as he was going through the counties, you know, and on the eight counties that make up the Diocese of Cleveland, Summit, Lorraine, Giaga. <laughs> Even last night, a group of priests were together to celebrate another priest friend of ours becoming a pastor, and that was the topic of conversation. He was great, but he doesn't know how to pronounce Giaga. There is one thing, however, that he said that I would like to address. It was an off-the-cuff comment and always a dangerous thing to do. But in response to something that was said to him, he said, Well, I'm not a saint. And when people say that, they mean, well, I don't do everything perfect. I'm not perfect. And with no disrespect to our apostolic administrator, matter of fact, I wouldn't mind if he did become our bishop, there was a few people visiting the parish who were from the Diocese of Toledo who says, you can borrow him, but you can't keep him. We like him. He's a very, very good man. And with much gratitude to him for giving me something to preach about this weekend, I suggest, however, that the phrase he used, of course I'm not a saint, should be stricken from the, le- the Catholic lexicon of saints. It's as if there is a saint somewhere out there walking around saying, I'm a saint and obviously I can't do that, but you're a sinner, so you can get away with it, knock your socks off. But as we talked about recently We're all called to be saints. There are only two options. There are saints, and there are not saints. There are those who are destined for heaven, and those who are destined for hell. Those are the only options. And we aren't talking about those declared saints by the church. A saint is anybody, all of us, who make it into heaven. And that's what we're striving for, or why would we bother to be here? Why would we have these baptisms today? One becomes a saint through love, love of God and love of neighbor. So here are two things to keep in mind on our road to striving to become a saint. The first is that saints are not perfect every way, every day. Jesus was perfect. Everybody else needs a Savior, needs Jesus, especially those who don't think they do. When St. John Paul II was declared a saint, there were many news agencies that called foul. They said he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes, some pretty big mistakes during the sex scandal. But a saint isn't a saint because he doesn't need a Savior or that he does everything correctly. Or the way I think it should be done. He is a saint because he strives so hard to love and be faithful. As Mother Teresa said, now, St. Mother Teresa, God doesn't ask you to be successful, He asks you to be faithful. In humility, we know that we are not perfect, and we accept that we need a Savior. We will never be saints under our own steam, but need Jesus. We need the church. We need this faith. We need our community. That being said, it's not an excuse not to strive to be better we cannot be satisfied with being mediocre there are some non-catholic churches that have slogans on their boards outside that says come here god loves you just as you are and you know what that's true catholics believe that also he loves you god loves you for who you are because he made you and he who is love loves you because you are you But neither he nor your Catholic faith is satisfied in leaving you there. In a similar way, people may have loved Stan Hewitt Hall, but leaving it untouched was no way to appreciate it. It's constantly being renewed and fixed up and repaired and having new things happen there. God and your faith loves you and sees more potential in you, and you should too. It's too little for you to be my servant, God says today through the prophet Isaiah. I will make you a light to the nations. And St. Paul tells us today, you have been sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be holy. So while we are realistic that we are imperfect and need a Savior and the sacraments, particularly the sacrament of confession, we keep our eye on the ideal We strive to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We strive for that great dignity. So a person came up to me recently and said uh, they were trying to uh, pray the prayer of abandonment and was having difficulty praying it because part of the prayer goes like this. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will, kind of like the song we sang coming in today. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Honestly, Father, she says to me, it's as if these are just words. I don't know if I really mean them. I don't know if I'm serious about them. Can I really say that I'm going to be thankful for everything that happens to me? Can I really say that I am ready to accept God's will over mine, no matter what? And I told her, of course not. From time to time, you are going to fight God's will in your life. There will be days that you won't feel like being thankful. There are days that you are going to look up into heaven and cry out, why? But do you really want to pray a prayer that says, God, I kind of abandoned myself into your hands. Do with me what you will within certain acceptable parameters that I will set. And whatever you do, I probably will forget to thank you. So right now I'm really nervous, and I hope that I can accept it. Why practice mediocrity? It's the same thing in confession. There's a line in in one of the Acts of contrition, Contrition that goes, and with the help of your grace, I will not sin again. People jump all around that line. They don't want to say it. What they do say is, you know what, Father, I know it's not true. I am going to sin again. And I say, I know. That's why we have confession three to four times a week and not just once a year. Of course you're going to sin again. I'm going to sin again. But is it not your will right now that if you could, you would never hurt another human being again? If you could, you would never mar your dignity ever again. And that you would never place something between you, an obstacle between you and God in your relationship. Of course. Then practice the ideal. Shoot for the stars. Pray for strength. Plan for better. Stand on hope. Desire improvement and set your standard high. I will not sin again. You know when you expect a child to be mediocre, they will be mediocre. When you set your expectations higher, they will achieve so much more. Maybe not everything, but a lot more. Do the same for yourself. And I know it's a tricky line to walk. It's called humility. The definition of humility is truth. It recognizes that we have weaknesses, but we also have great potential. It is this truth which God wishes you to walk. It is the uh, the dichotomy of the confessional, recognizing that we fail but that we also have much potential, right? And too much emphasis on either one leads to sin. But when we properly balance our faith, what a gift to know where we need help and where we can shine and excel. It's part of the joy of being Catholic.